Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Um, how many of you cringe just a little bit when I talk about the words life journal? Like you go, ooh, that life journal. I remember that. We talked about that. Yeah, it happens. It happens. If you're unfamiliar with the Life Journal, the Life Journal is a reading plan we're going through as a church. Uh, it's got it broken down in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we said, you know, maybe you're not feeling like you can cover Old and New Testament, whole Bible in a year, but you could hop in and, you know, maybe, maybe do the New Testament. And so, you know, just focus on the New Testament, and that's great. And that's what a lot of our people are doing. Our life groups have been kind of working through it a little bit as well. And so it's, it's been a lot, of, a lot of fun. But if we're honest, it's uh, been a little shameful at moments, too, because we've missed some. But if you don't know, know all about it, I want to introduce you to what that journal half of our reading plan is. See, we decided that we didn't just want to read the Bible and then close it. We wanted to make sure we got something out of it, that we grow a little bit as we're, as we're doing this reading. So we're using something called the soap method. So, you know, soap, it, you know, wash your armpits. They don't smell anymore. It's a little bit different. Maybe you're washing your soul a little bit, and so it doesn't stink quite as much. Like, we're getting there. We're getting there. So soap is an acronym. SOAP, the S stands for Scripture. So you would check out that day's reading, and let's say that day's is John chapter 3. So you're going to read John chapter 3. Then you move on to the O, which is observation. So as you're reading John chapter 3, you're going to observe something from it. Maybe you observe, you know, John 3.16, like you read it and you've heard it, but like you've looked at it and you said, God legitimately cares more about me than he did about Jesus' life. Like, he, he loves Jesus, and Jesus is his son, and he loves him, but he cares more about me than he cared about Jesus' life in that moment. And so that's huge. And so now you've observed it, and now you kind of think about it, and you go, okay, well, how do I take and apply this, the application part of it? You say, well, I think about it. I feel like I want to live a life that's kind of it's worthy of what Jesus did for me. Like, I want to live up to that. I don't want my bad attitude to affect and make it look like I don't appreciate what God's done. So I want to make sure I'm living up to it. And then the P is prayer. And for me, I just always take my application and I literally turn it into a prayer. Like, I'd pray something along the lines of, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for caring enough about me that you were willing to give up his life for me. Help me to live a life that's worthy of it. Help me to live up to that standard, to not let my attitude affect, and maybe people won't notice him because of my attitude. And so I'd pray something like that. And so that's kind of what we're doing, and the, the whole idea is that not only would you spend some time in Scripture every day, but you'd also get something out of it. But... You know, we miss a day. And you miss the day and you go, okay, well, I'm going to catch it tomorrow. I'll read two tomorrow. Like, it's going to be good. And then you miss tomorrow and now you're three days behind and then it's five and then it's nine and then it's three weeks and then it's a month and four months. What is this, the seventh month now? So we're six months behind probably, give or take. And you go, oh, well, I missed it. It's over. Uh, maybe I'll catch it next year. 
don't do that. Don't don't let what you've missed make you miss out on what God's got for you. You've missed it. It's over. It's done. You can't change it. Just go ahead and jump in. Today, we're actually going to look at today's New Testament reading. It's in 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll be there in just a minute if you want to start flipping that way. So we're going we're to cover 1 Timothy chapter 6, and then tomorrow's reading starts a new book. You can hop right in tomorrow in 2 Timothy and just keep going. And you know, if you miss a day, it's okay. If it makes you feel better, I was about three weeks behind not that long ago. And I didn't let what I missed keep me and make me miss even more. So jump in. Um, I, I know some of you guys probably heard Brent Isbell last week, and you were like, I'd like to grab a life journal. And then you got out to Info Services, and we didn't have any because he had talked about it all morning, and the other two gatherings cleared us out. Sorry about that. We do have some more today. If you want to pick some up, there's plenty up there. The reading plan's there as well. So on your way out the door, make sure you grab one of those journals. And we're going to hop in to First Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to hop around a little bit in it, but don't worry, you'll be able to keep up because the scriptures will be on the screen as well. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he's conceited and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicion, and constant disagreement about people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Skip down to verse 9 with me. It says, But those who want to be rich fall into a temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, there's a lot of context to what's going on here, what Paul is kind of addressing. But basically the gist of it all is there are some people who are discontent with their life. Like they've looked at their life and they just like, this, this isn't what I want. I don't feel complete. I don't feel satisfied. I'm not happy with where, where I am or what I have. And so they're discontent. And has anybody ever feel discontent? I absolutely have. Like, I'll own it. Um, a little while back, my wife and I were getting ready to move back from Australia and come back to the States. And we both had these jobs lined up. We had a couple different prospects, and we were excited about them. We were pretty confident that, you know, we were going to get home. We, one of us was going to get a job, and God was going to line up that perfect job with the other one right there in the same area, and it was all going to be it was gonna be good. It was going to work out. But we got home, and all of my job prospects tanked. And so she took a job. She took one in Flowood, and we moved to Pearl because that's where we found a house to rent. And we got here. And I couldn't find any church ministry type jobs that I was interested in, really couldn't find any at all. And so I started going, okay, well, I'll work a little bit and maybe just like in a department store, or maybe a theater, maybe a grocery store. I'll work somewhere like that and it'll be good. It'll be good. I've got a good resume, good resume. I've got a college degree. Like I've got years of leadership experience on my resume. Like people are going to hire me. It's not going to be a problem. Turns out I was wrong. That did not quite go that way for me at all. I uh, couldn't work at a department store, apparently. I 
I guess I wasn't good enough for that one. I couldn't work in a grocery store. I don't know. I've worked in one before, but apparently my previous experience in grocery stores wouldn't cut it. I couldn't even sweep up popcorn in a movie theater is what I'm gathering because I applied at a couple of those and they weren't interested either. I got one interview at one department store. Lady was really, she was excited. She's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, well, I'll talk with the other manager. Like we're, we're going to give you a call here in a few days and this is going to be it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So waiting on that call back. Hopefully it'll come any day now. Yeah. Things didn't go the way I planned, and so I sat at the house for months, and I began to grow discontent with my life. I didn't like where I was. I didn't like what I was doing because I wasn't doing anything. And through that season, I started to, I got fixated on a, on getting a new car. And I wanted a new car because my car, the air conditioning broke, and it's Mississippi. Um, the radio didn't work, and if you don't have air conditioning and radio, that's just the worst. Um... Transmission was starting to go out, and that's expensive. Half the door handles didn't work. The windows sometimes would let down and sometimes didn't. And remember, I didn't have air conditioning. So it was just, it was a great car. It's a great car. Um, I wanted a new one, but I didn't have a job, so I couldn't get a new one. So I just, I, I started to build it up. I got real fixated on this particular make and model. Like I'd been searching it on Auto Trader. Like, I, who's got it? Where is it? What price is it? Like, got really into that car for a while. And as I was getting fixated on that and I was continually growing discontent with my life, I started to realize it was actually affecting my relationship with my wife. See, I wasn't able to communicate the way I felt to her. Like, I knew she, I know she knew how I felt, but I couldn't, I couldn't verbalize it. I, I literally didn't want to be in the room with her sometimes. I was probably a, a little bitter that she was working and I wasn't. I, we didn't have a good relationship. I was literally driving a wedge into our marriage. When uh, Paul was talking to Timothy here, I imagine he was talking about some guys with similar experiences. Like I just, I imagine a few average dudes there. They're in, they're in this this city called Ephesus, and Ephesus was this really rich, wealthy city. It was a trade city, a city with a lot of commerce. So if you had a good mindset, a good skill set, like you could make some money there. But the problem with an area that has people with a lot of money is you typically also have a area of people with a, no money right there beside them. And so it wasn't surprising to find all these people that were real discontent because if you go to the grocery store, you can see that the people that have aren't content with what they have, apparently, because they're doing all kinds of ridiculous things to try and complete their life. They're still searching for something. And then if you've ever been around people who have nothing, like they're, they're obviously not content with nothing. They want something. They need something out of life. And so all of these people, they're, they're discontent. And so they're just these average guys. Like, I'm going to give them a couple of names. Like, one of them's Michael. Like, Michael... He's got a job, decent job. His family's well taken care of. Michael feels like things are going well, but he wants some more out of life. Because like his, his wife and his kids, they want, want things. 
Like, I mean, they've got what they need, but they want things. Like, his wife needs a new multicolored cloak. She needs some of the new jewels that are coming out of Egypt. Like, they're excited about some of these really cool things that he wants his wife to have them because he cares about them. And so there's a promotion coming up at work, and Michael's working hard for it, man. He's, he's grindstoning it out, doing the best he can. But he realizes something. And Zachariah is the boss's kid. Zachariah is going to get the promotion. Like it's not even a question. So Michael gets to thinking and he remembers that like John, John has good ideas, but nobody ever notices John's good ideas. So he kind of swipes one of John's ideas, claims it as his own. And before he realizes it, he's kind of swiping everybody's ideas and trying to take all the glory for it. And, and he's slowly building himself up towards that promotion because of all these good ideas that are his, right? You know, he tells his wife, he says, you know, I know I'm not a bad person. Like, this isn't a big deal because I'm doing what I've got to do to make sure we have what we, what we need in this family. That's what he's telling himself. Then there's, there's Felix. Felix just lost his job. They didn't have much to begin with, but now he doesn't even have the job he had. And so he's got a wife and kids, and he's got to provide. So he does the only thing he knows to do. He starts hustling. He's buying and selling other people's junk. He's picking up stuff that fits in his pocket that isn't his. He's doing what he feels he has to do because his family needs. And not only does his family need, but he wants to get back not just to that level they were at, he wants to get above it. And he knows like one day that, that good job that he's waiting for, it's going to come along and he'll, he'll be able to go clean then. He'll be able to straighten out his act a little bit because his family will have what they need. At least that's what he keeps telling himself. And then there's Alexander. Alexander doesn't care about the money. That's not why he's in it. You know, money's great. Money shows that you did good, but that's, that's not what he cares about. Like ultimately... Alexander just cares about the authority. He cares about the respect. He wants everybody to know his name. He really ultimately wants to be the guy that everybody has to go to, not for his opinion, but for his permission. Because he knows he's the smartest guy in the room. He knows that when everybody else recognizes that he's the smartest guy in the room and they put him in that place of power, like he'll be able to do good stuff. He'll be able to help the world because he's got the right plan and everybody else is an idiot. Like Alexander knows it. At least that's kind of how he sees the world. You know, it's in verse 9 of this chapter where Paul starts to address these guys. He says, going after riches going after glory, going after that next social status, trying to keep up with the Joneses, whatever it is you're looking to, to try and complete you, it's just a trap. He says all of that's a trap, and it's going to ultimately lead you into destruction and ruin. See, what I know and what Paul warns Timothy is that discontentment ultimately leads us to destruction. Discontentment ultimately leads us to destruction. Frankly, it's a trap many of us have fallen into more than we'd like to admit. It's a trap that we find ourselves into because we're convinced that that thing, 
that's going to make it better. That thing's finally going to be the thing that makes me feel complete. The thing about destruction is it doesn't always have to be mass chaos. Like, you don't have to literally have destroyed your whole family. The, what happened for me wasn't that kind of chaos. It, it, was, it was slow. It was subtle. See, I, 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 was, I was longing for something because I wasn't content with where my life was. And I was looking to these things to try and complete me. And along the way, my relationship with my wife was falling apart. My attitude had created so much tension in our marriage that we were physically apart from each other. There was a wedge driving into us because I didn't want to be in the room with her sometimes. We emotionally were not connecting at all. And I absolutely was not leading my wife spiritually. And I wasn't leading her spiritually because in that moment I couldn't. Because my relationship with God was probably in a worse shape than my relationship with her was. See, during this season of life, I wasn't, I wasn't really praying I wasn't spending time with God in, in His Scripture, and I absolutely was angry at Him. I was looking at my life going, God, I went to the other side of the world because you said go. I came back because you said go back, and here I am, and I, I deserve this. Like I, I don't deserve to sit here and do nothing. Like I deserve that job I want. I deserve this stuff. Like, What are you doing? angry and it was, it was it was ridiculous that I was I was destroying the two most important relationships in my life and I knew it see the really ironic part was I, I had started to make make this whole idea that I was going to get exactly what I wanted and so I, I kind of like laid out my trap for it right like I'm going to catch contentment right here in my trap and I'm going to do it with a job and a car. I'm going to I'm going to catch it right there like it's going to run right across it good road runner style and I'm going to snatch it up and I got it, right? So I got the job. Right after I got the job, I, I went and bought the car. And the car added a big fat zero to my life. It's a car. I drove to work and back from work in it and that's all it did. The same thing the other car was doing. I got the job and it wasn't really the job I wanted, and I thought it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll be able to. I'll be able to do it. I'll be able to take care of it. And so I buried my discontentment right underneath this job and this car. It didn't work. See, when my roadrunner contentment ran across my trap, I pulled it, but it didn't catch anything. So in classic Wiley Coyote style, I went to check my trap, right? Like, it's broken, clearly. Let me fix it, and then we'll get this together. So I stepped into my trap, and just like that, it got me. I was in the middle of this destruction where I was destroying those two relationships that I cared most about. I thought contentment was going to come from this stuff, but this stuff happened in... I just found myself in more destruction, caught in the middle of my own trap. 
back at uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. Look at verse 11. It says, But you, man of God, flee from these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Absolutely hate that. I'm going to be real with you. Like, because Paul just looked at me and he goes, Hey, be content with what you have. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, bro. That was great advice. If I could be content with what I have, we wouldn't be in this problem. Like, I'd have been content with this months ago if I knew how to be content with this. Like, that's the problem, right? You, you, you don't want to be discontent. You don't, you don't want to feel the way you do. You don't want to have to look to this thing to make it better, but you don't know how else to fix it. And that's, that's really what we want to know. How do I be content with what I have? So Paul talks about that a little bit. One of the first things he shares is the fact that contentment comes from God. Contentment ultimately comes from God. We're not going to find that anywhere else. He talks about it in Philippians a lot. He says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I learned how to be content with a little and with a lot. And you're like, sweet. He knows how to be content. How, how do I be content, Paul? He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And like, oh, Paul, no, you, uh, you misread that. That's about winning basketball games. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is about passing that test that I didn't study for. It's about making it to work in 15 minutes, even though it's a 30-minute drive, because I woke up late, and I got to be there on time. You missed it, Paul. And we missed it. So it's not a statement of God's going to do things for us. It's a statement of I've learned to trust God. See, when Paul realized that all he had to do was trust God. That's when he found contentment with life. See, he looked at life and he said, if I, if I trust God, he's in control of it. Like he's got a bigger plan. But Paul also recognized that just because I trust God doesn't mean God's going to do what I want to do. I'm pretty sure Paul had no plans of getting shipwrecked or snake bitten or thrown in prison multiple times or stoned. Like, none of that was Paul's uh, agenda. But he said, I was content in those moments because I trusted that God had something bigger going on. I trusted that God had something else happening, even though I didn't understand it. So, you see, contentment comes when we learn how to trust God. And recognize that trusting him means he may not do what we want him to do. He may not do exactly what we want him to do. Second thing is that we have to flee from discontentment. We have to flee from discontentment. You see, we, we run away from things we're afraid of. And when it comes to discontentment, we need to identify what it is that we think is going to complete us. We need to look at it and say, that's it. That's the thing I've been looking to to make my life whole, and we need to run away from it. 
Like when I think about running, I think about fear, I think about snakes because they're the worst things ever. I don't think they serve any real purpose. They're horrid. I hate them. I woke up the other morning and I pulled out my phone like I always do and I saw this video that I didn't mean to see about a 23-foot python who swallowed a woman whole. Now my biggest fear. Absolutely my biggest fear on the whole entire planet. It's now that a 23-foot python is going to swallow me whole. Great. I got out of the bed. You know how I got out of the bed? I jumped out of the bed just in case it was under there. Just, just had to be sure. I was in second grade. I came home. My grandpa was helping us close in a carport so we could build some extra rooms on the house. And I stood at the back door and I talked to him. And he's probably 10, 15 feet from me. And as we were talking, he moved a board. And this little green, like little green garden snakes just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And he slithered in the opposite direction of me. And me being the bright person that I am, I immediately slammed the door, ran away, went and hid in my bed. Because that snake that was going the other direction might get me. I was afraid of it, and so I ran away from it. And that's what we have to do with the things that cause discontentment in our lives. We've got to look at them and identify them and say, I'm not going to be near that. We've got to look at that job and say, if I'm looking to satisfy myself with that job, I need to stay away from it. I need to look at, at that weight goal and say, hey, maybe that's not actually going to complete my life. And we've got to look at whatever that relationship is you're trying to find satisfaction from and say that relationship is not going to satisfy me because it can't. Finally, we have to fight for contentment. We've got to fight for contentment. You know, like I, when I think about contentment, I think about sitting in a chair with a box of cheese, it's a Mountain Dew, and Netflix is on. Like I'm content, I'm chill, I'm doing nothing. Like, you might have a different contentment, but that's mine. I'm going to sit in that chair and watch that Netflix. It's good. But that's actually not contentment. See, contentment is about fighting. It's about being active. If we don't take and trust God, if we don't take and lean into God when the discontentment comes, it's going to catch us in our own trap. It's going to catch us in the destruction that we're making. See, I, I remember in that season of life thinking about that car going, you're an idiot. This is not going to make you feel better. Like, I, I had that conversation with myself. I knew it. But I kept getting on Auto Trader. Kept looking at it. Kept trying to see who had it. Kept trying to price it. I didn't run away from it. I kept letting myself think, maybe... Maybe it will. I kept thinking, maybe, maybe I actually do deserve this enough that it's going to satisfy me, and God's going to make it satisfy me. I've been in ministry since I was in high school. I did tech in high school. I led small groups. I made it into college, started leading my own student ministry. I've been to the other side of the world and served as a missionary. I'm in a connections pastor role these days, but still, I'm going to tell you, I found myself trapped in this. Like My degree is literally in the Bible. And I found myself caught in discontentment because I didn't trust God to have everything in control. I felt like maybe he was getting it wrong. Like maybe I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Like maybe this wasn't actually the plan for me. 
Told you I finally got that job. I finally got that car. But it didn't work. And after I'd been at the job for a while, finally I had to sit down. And I go, okay, God, I don't like this. This is not where I want to be. But this is apparently where you've got me. And I had to say the hardest thing I think I've ever said to God. I had to tell him, if you never want me to work in church ministry again, I'll do that. I had to say, if you want me to work in retail for the rest of my life and serve you in retail, this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to trust you to have this under control. So I'd finally gotten out of my own trap. I'd finally gotten myself out of my own pattern of destruction. And as I finally started trusting God and finally started leaning on Him, my relationship with Him got better my relationship with my wife got better. Finally able to pull that wedge out of our marriage. You know, here's the thing, like, what I wanted wasn't bad. There's nothing wrong with the things I wanted out of life. Like, I just just wanted to work in church ministry, and I just wanted a car that didn't feel like it was going to fall apart here in the next week. Like, that was it. There's nothing wrong with that thing you're looking for. Like that new job, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that new house because you probably want it because it's in the new school district, the better one that you want your kids to go to. There's nothing wrong with that new relationship that you're looking to because you've had some bad ones and this is a good relationship and so you're excited about it. Like there's nothing wrong with the things that we're looking to to complete us. The problem is we're looking to that thing to complete us when it's never going to do that. It's not capable of completing us. See, this life is about knowing God. It's it's not about being complete by something. It's about knowing and trusting God, even when he does something we would rather he not do. Even when he puts us to work at retail, when we'd much rather be at a church. So I learned something from this season of life. I learned that I had to trust him. And I learned that ultimately discontentment is always going to lead to destruction. But contentment will lead to completion. Destruction, discontentment always leads to destruction. But contentment always leads to completion. And the only place contentment's going to come from is God. So I had to learn to trust God. Even when I didn't want to. I had to learn to run away from certain things because they weren't going to satisfy me. And I had to learn that I was going to have to fight to continue to trust God. And that it was going to be hard at times. Because there's still times in my life where I see things I want. There's still times in my life where I wish something else was a little different. And I have to fight against those moments and lean into God. So I guess the real question is, are you going to let discontentment destroy you? Are you going to lean into God because he's the only source of contentment? Let me pray for us. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, 
visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.